Praise God. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. After this, after what? After chapter 5, this is about a year ago, chapter 5, he goes, he heals the man at the pool of Bethesda. They threaten him, kill him, not just the Jewish people in general, but the Jewish leaders. He broke the law. Skype picked up his bed and walked, carried his bed on the Sabbath. Oh, my goodness. It's terrible, terrible thing. But to them it was. And then in chapter 6, or, or, uh, Jesus uh, goes on to tell them, everyone about him being the bread of life. And in verse 60, many turned back from following him. And Jesus tells them, I'm the bread of life. And it's a hard saying, they say. Look, this is a hard saying. Because if you look at it on the surface, it's like Jesus is saying, uh, you're going to have to become cannibals. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. And how many know that that's weird? <laughs> but uh, he was speaking about spiritual things. In verse 62, he says, listen, it's the Spirit who gives life. Then in verse 68 and 69, Jesus turns to disciples, the 12. He says, well, you guys are going to leave too? And Peter says this amazing thing. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So this is the scenario. After all that takes place, and then when he's fed the 5,000 with the bread, they were going to make him king. And he said, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm here for. And they're disappointed. They said, man, we thought this was going to be the guy. And he, So listen to what the Jewish New Testament translates it this way. Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea. It says he did not wish to go about or he was not at liberty to go about. In Judea. So Judea is where Jerusalem is the capital, you know. It's the cosmopolitan place where all the smart people are. The, the university is there, you know. And uh, he's up there in Podunk, uh, Galilee. All the backwards people are in the little towns and villages. But listen to what Matthew Henry says about this phrase. He would not go about in Judea. It's not that he w would not or, or dared not, that he was afraid because he knew they were going to kill him. And it was not through fear and cowardice that he declined to go. His time had not yet come. Listen to what else he says. Christ will withdraw from those who drive him away. Have you ever tried to tell somebody about Jesus and they don't want to hear about it? Okay, fine. You don't have to. You don't want to hear about Jesus? They'll tell you, don't push your religion down my throat. First of all, Jesus is not a religion. Amen? Jesus is a person. Jesus was content at this point in time with laboring and working in obscurity. He wasn't idle. He wasn't sitting around doing nothing. Wasn't, <laughs> I'm sorry, but he was not sitting around playing video games. Amen? He was not sitting around... Uh, there's a guy on the radio, he calls uh, Facebook Waste Book. <laughs> and then you get on Facebook and you start scrolling down and it goes forever and ever and ever. And 
Where did all these people come from? How did I, I get all these things? And then I said, oh my goodness, what a waste of time sometimes. Jesus was busy. He was working about the Father's kingdom. He did not sit still, but He worked where He was. One commentator says, do what you can where you are. You don't have to go and be a missionary in some foreign field. Somebody made a movie one time about this young man. He wanted to become a missionary and go on the foreign field. And one night he has a dream. And he's in the bush out there in the wilderness, in the wherever, you know, and they, he sees the grass huts. And in his dreams, oh, this is great. This is what I always wanted to do. And he comes around the corner and out of the door of the grass huts comes the people that he deals with every day in his normal life. And it's like God says, <clears throat> Here's your mission field here. Start right here. Amen? Amen? Praise God. In Acts chapter 16, verses 6 and 7, Paul the Apostle wanted to go into Asia, which is modern-day Turkey. But the Bible says the Spirit prevented them from going into Asia. And as a result, he has a vision at night of a man in Macedonia, which is part of modern-day Greece, saying, come over and help us. And as the rest, this is history. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Peter the Apostle, he goes to Cornelius' house, who's a Gentile, after God shows him the vision of the unclean and clean animals and telling him, you know what? What I make clean, God says, is clean. Amen? Hallelujah. When God makes us clean, we are clean. And so God assures Peter it's okay to go to Cornelius' house. And there in Cornelius' house, he says, he begins preaching and he says, you know, you've heard this was not done in a corner. You've heard of Jesus of Nazareth. And it says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. When I read that the other day, I was studying. In my mind, I got this picture. Jesus was a real human being, and he went about doing good, not doing anything bad, and was persecuted for it. Went about. He had power healing people doing good and healing all who were oppressed with the de by the devil. Praise God. The Jews were seeking to kill him because he did something on the Sabbath. In the book of Leviticus, the death penalty for lawbreakers was stoning. Or, I don't know if you ever read this before, but it says that if uh, there, there are certain sins where you didn't just stone the person, they burned him to death. Remember during the Inquisition, if you're familiar with history in Europe, they burned people at the stake. This is really a strange thing to do. John Huss was a famous Czechoslovakian minister. He, de he defied the uh, authorities and would not recant, and he placed his trust in Jesus. He was burned at the stake for his faith in Jesus. There was death penalties for breaking the law. So these people were pretty adamant. After this, and the Jews were seeking to kill him, so Jesus decided, you know, I'm not going to go down there. I'm going to work up here. The heck with you guys. You guys want to be lunatics? Go be lunatics. Amen. 
after, I can't read those words, they're too small up there, I'll have to <coughs> read here. Now the Jews' Feast of Booths is at ha- was at hand. This is the uh, Feast of Tabernacles, where for uh, a week they live in uh, grass huts. And, uh, and the reason they do that is to remember the wandering in the wilderness. If you're a, a, a fan of church history, um, back in the 1700s, 1800s here in this country, they would have camp meetings in the summertime. They'd go and they'd camp out, and they'd have revival meetings. They still have camp meetings today, but it's pretty much not quite the same as camping out. So these people, they're going to have this Feast of Tabernacles that lasts actually eight days. And it says in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 33 through 36, that during that time, you have to do no customary work or do not engage in your occupation. I'm a carpenter. I'm not, if I was there, I would not be doing any carpenter work. Although I would have to build our tent first. But after that, do no customary work. So next thing you know, in verse 3, his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples who are there, there might probably some disciples in Judea, also may see the works that you're doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. And they said that because they did not believe in him. Now, <clears throat> in essence, his brothers are mocking him. You see that? They're, they're mocking him. No, if you want to be famous, Jesus, don't you? And listen, <laughs> if Jesus becomes famous, people will give him money, and we'll be part of the crowd, and we'll share in that. Come on, Jesus, go get famous. <laughs> Praise God. I don't think that... His brothers really understood what he was there and why he was there and what was going on. This word disciples is the Greek word, I believe it's pronounced methetes or methetes. It's a student or a learner. What's curious to me about this Greek word is that in order to be a student, you have to have a teacher. Now, (laughs) in those days... If you were going to be a student of somebody, you had to pay to be that person's student. You had to join the, the school voluntarily. But notice Jesus' disciples were called by Jesus. Amen? They didn't volunteer. Hey, I want to follow Jesus. No. Jesus said, you follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. His first two disciples were disciples of John the Baptist, and he stole them from John the Baptist. But John was okay with that. Even though later on in the, in the story, John's disciples and Jesus' disciples had a few controversies. How come, how come your disciples don't fast, Jesus? We fast twice a week. <laughs> What's going on here? Jesus, of course, tells them, don't worry, they'll fast when I leave. And, of course, nobody understood it, (laughs) the first two. Now, in the Old Testament, a disciple was more like a servant instead of a student. You have uh, um, 
Moses, his servant or his disciple was Joshua. You had Elijah, his disciple was Elisha. You had Elisha, his disciple was Gehazi. There was a school of the prophets. Praise God. And these people were learning, but they were more like servants. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 17 says, Learn to do good. That is, to do good, God expects us, according to Mr. H. Wildberger in the New NIV Dictionary of New Testament Theology, Volume 2, page 485, he says that what God expects of us is a fundamental redirection of human existence, a completely different attitude which expresses itself in practical dealing with all of one's fellow man. How many know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the most practical thing on earth? What does Jesus say? Love one another. Why? Because the world will know that you're his disciples if you love one another. The rabbis took in disciples in order to make them theologians and masters and teachers themselves, and they had to be recognized. Okay, you got it. You have all the understanding you need to know. Now you can start teaching people. But discipleship in the kingdom of heaven depends on faith in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? It's expressed in the way we serve. On your job, you serve your, your employer and your fellow employees. At the church, we serve Jesus himself. Following Jesus from the same New Testament theology book means the unconditional sacrifice of your whole life for the rest of your life. Amen? It's the fundamental, unconditional sacrifice of your whole life for the rest of your life. It's not a one-time deal or it's not a short-term experience. Amen. You you go to college, you get your degree. I went through an apprenticeship program. I graduated. I was done with that. But I'm still learning. But with the kingdom of heaven, it's continuous for the rest of your life. Amen. When we surrendered our lives to Jesus, we hopefully decided, I'm going to serve Jesus with my whole life for the rest of my life until Jesus returns or I expire and pass away and enter into the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Amen. Go to Judea so your disciples may see the works you're doing. Why? Well, they go over there, then... uh, They'll be able to really test and make sure that your miracles are legitimate, you know. It's just, uh, you know, you don't want all these backwards people testifying. Well, some of the simplest uh, people do the best testimonies, amen? (laughs) Praise God. So Jesus, in verse 6, he says, thanks for the insult, you guys. No, he doesn't chew them out. That's what the world would do. <laughs> On Friday, one of the, the electricians came by. He's the electrician foreman. We're pouring concrete, and, and it's all done, all down there, and we're waiting for it to dry. Concrete takes a long time to dry in cold weather. So we, have, we basically have to stand around and watch. So the, the, the electrical foreman who we're doing the work for, uh, he comes by, and he obviously he's idle. He has nothing to do, and he insults me terribly. 
And, and I, I looked at him and I said, you shouldn't be saying stuff like that. <laughs> and, and over the weekend I thought, you know, that really bugs me. I should go and tell him something on Monday. But <laughs> Jesus gives us a good example. Can you say amen? You don't have to insult people back. Amen? Praise God. They give Jesus advice. But listen, they disregard his safety. They must know that the Jewish people, the religious leaders, want to kill Jesus. Why would they tell Jesus to go, you know, uh, to uh, um, Judea when, he, when they know, probably, most likely, that they are going to try to kill him? They insinuate that Jesus has a lack of courage. I mean, you know, Jesus is the most brave, courageous, toughest guy you will ever meet in your life. Anybody that knows what they're going to go through and does it, goes, goes through it anyway, that's one tough dude. Show yourself. They're, in, they're insinuating that he's selfish and that he's just, you know, wasting his time. Become famous. We'll share the wealth and the honor. Basically, they're telling him, go make a good appearance. I'm going to know what Jesus says about a good appearance. He tells the, the Pharisees and the scribes, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, because you appear to be righteous to men. You know, on the outside, you're like a whitewashed tomb. Oh, it looks really beautiful. But on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones because you have the appearance. Amen? We're not here just for appearance. We're here for downright actual truth. Amen? Praise God. But Jesus tells them, my time has not yet come. Anybody remember where else Jesus said that? His very first miracle, the wedding at Cana. His mom says, hey, they got no wine. And he looks at her and says, woman, what has that got to do with me? My time has not yet come. But then she says, whatever he says, do it. And he does it. And <laughs> praise God. What an obedient son. Praise God. But Jesus says, my time has not yet come. He understands. He knows he's going to be giving up his life. So he says, you guys can go anytime. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, the world. So what's the world? Is that, I mean, it's not planet Earth. That's not what he's talking about, you know. Obviously, it's a fallen world. It's the system of darkness. It's what controls governments and things. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, we do not wrestle or war against flesh and blood. We're in a war, amen, a spiritual war. And we do not wrestle against human beings, but we wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This is what's opposed to the kingdom of God. This is what opposes Jesus at every chance they get. Jesus answers them mildly. He understood his mission. It's a fallen world. The world hates him because I testify about it that its works are evil, Jesus said. Anybody ever try to witness to somebody and tell them about Jesus? Who are you to judge me? You're judging me. No, 
Well, look at what it says in the Bible. What does this say? It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Does that include me and you? Yes, it does. There's a way to witness to win souls, you know. Amen. Jesus didn't tell us to go out and become as obnoxious as you can and offend as many people as you can. He expects us to win souls. Amen. Praise God. So, (laughs) he says, you guys go ahead. I'm not going up to this feast for my time has not yet fully come. In one translation it says, it doesn't say he's not going. He says, I'm not going yet. He says, you guys go ahead without me. (laughs) One of the commentaries I was reading said, can you imagine going anywhere without Jesus? (laughs) Okay, Jesus, we don't need you anymore. That's not the kingdom of heaven. We need Jesus every moment, every day. Can you say amen? I don't want to go anywhere without Jesus. And, these, and Jesus tells his brothers, you guys can go without me. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> After saying this, he remained in Galilee for a little while longer. There we go. And then in verse 10, his brothers had gone up to the feast. Then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. Apparently, those that went, went as a large group. Remember when Jesus uh, was uh, uh, 13 years old or whatever it was, and uh, they went up to the feast, to the Passover, and his, his, he, he stays behind in the temple. His parents are in the caravan or a large group. That's what this is talking about. There was a the publicly... It means that there was a large caravan. So Jesus did not go publicly. He hadn't been there in over a year. The Jews were looking for him. It's a good thing to look for Jesus. Can you say amen? And then they said, where is he? Where is he? We want to catch this guy. But. So they're they're supposed to be enjoying the Feast of Tabernacles, not worrying about, how can we catch this guy? we got to kill him. Can you imagine going to a party? And this is what it was. It was a week-long party. (laughs) When I was on the island of Bora Bora back in the 1982, uh, Tahiti is governed by the French government. So they decided... Well, we're going to celebrate Bastille Day, which is the French Independence Day. In Tahiti, they say, yes, we're going to celebrate. <laughs> they celebrate for two months. <laughs> and that's a party. Can you say amen? <laughs> so these, these people are supposed to be celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles for eight days. But they're busy. They think, where's Jesus? And then I, I don't think they were enjoying themselves. <laughs> Matthew Henry says, Jesus Christ will be the subject of much controversy and debate. People will tell you all kinds of things. I worked uh, with a young man a few uh, last month. He's a uh, uh, guy from India. I asked him if he's a Hindu. He says, yeah, but, you know, I kind of like uh, everything. And, and uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed Jesus. He was a good prophet. And I thought, I don't think he's read anything that Jesus said. <laughs> because if Jesus is just a prophet... No, (laughs) you haven't read what he said. (laughs) Praise God. And the people are saying there was much muttering. (laughs) A lot of buzz. You know, you could hear the conversations in the background. 
much muttering that <laughs> the rulers were his enemy. There was much more talk spreading around. Notice it says, much muttering about him, not against him. Isn't that interesting? Among the people, the crowd. Of course, you know, the religious rulers, they look down on the crowd because they're uneducated people. They don't know anything. But <laughs> some said, he's a good man. Others said, no, he's leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. Uh, by the way, all the rest of the people were Jews too. So obviously we know, as from the previous few uh, slides, that the Jews, when it says that, it means the religious leaders, those who opposed Jesus. And uh, go on to say, about the middle of the feast, about the fourth day, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. Now this is interesting because Jesus, according to everybody there, has no credentials. He has no authority to teach. But he goes and he's teaches. The, they stop looking for Jesus probably. You know, where is he on the first day, second day? Where is he on the third day? Where is he? Ah, he's probably not coming. He's supposed to be here though. On the fourth day, third or fourth day, maybe they quit looking. He's teaching. Jameson Fawcett and Brown's commentary says that this is formal and continuous, not mere casual sayings. Not Jesus just sitting around, you know, shooting the breeze with everybody. He's actually teaching. And it says the people marveled. They marveled. They said, whoa, this guy's got it implies admiration. It's from a primary Greek verb that means to look closely at or to perceive. So they're, 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 they're listening. They're admiring. They're really paying attention to what Jesus is saying. I mean, you know, that's a good thing to pay attention to what Jesus is saying. It's not just enough to hear, but we're also supposed to obey. Now, and the, the Jews, again, here's the rulers, therefore marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learning? Or in the, in the uh, King James, has letters. <laughs> when he has never studied. How did they know he never studied? Because those guys were in charge of whoever studied. Amen? The Jews, the rulers, he never studied. The rulers, they taught the doctrines of men, <laughs> as the oracles of God, which Jesus accused them of in Matthew chapter 15, verse 7 and 9, and Mark chapter 7, verses 6 and 7, quoting Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. Did you know that Jesus quoted Isaiah quite a bit? Most likely, some Bible scholars believe that they probably only had a scroll of Isaiah in the, the synagogue that he, he was raised up in. But they understand that Jesus' teachings did not originate from any human teacher. So that's how, they, how we know that Jesus was from of God. That's how we know because his teachings were from God the Father himself, not from any man's understanding. I don't know why, but Socrates came up in the study 
and supposedly he believed that morality can be discovered if you look for its true source. How many know who the author of all correct morality is? It's God in heaven. Amen. How is it that this man has letters learning? He doesn't have a degree. <laughs> he didn't go to college. <laughs> well, he's smarter than you guys, though. <laughs> Amen. So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. Jesus is telling them, I don't need to learn from you guys. I have a better source. And then he has this qualifying statement here. If anyone's will is to do God's will, that person will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. If you want to know about Jesus, you want to know what Jesus really, really taught, all you got to do is read the Bible. There's a picture I saw on Facebook. This guy's saying, God, I want you to speak to me. The next picture, somebody's handing him a Bible. Amen? Amen? Praise God. If anyone chooses to do God's will, if anyone's will is to do God's will, it could be translated, if anyone chooses. How many know living for God is a choice? Amen? It's a choice. Somebody, I think it's Torn Wells, sings a song, every choice is an act of war. That's a good phrase. Amen? If anyone chooses to do God's will, you will know. Isn't that wonderful? You can know without a shadow of a doubt the will of God. If any, this is a promise. Jesus makes a promise here. If you choose to do God's will, you will know whether the teaching that Jesus teaches is from God or whether he's speaking on his own authority. Because he says, look here, the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. Hey guys, look at me. I'm smart. I know everything. This, <laughs> this is uh, the motivation. Amen? The desire, to, according to Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown's commentary, listen to this, the desire to please God is the grand inlet to light on all questions affecting one's eternal interests. Amen? Remember, this life is not all there is. I had a, uh, a friend passed away, passed into eternity last Sunday morning. I went to see him Saturday. And uh, I'd been telling him he'd been sick for quite a long time. He had uh, cancer and he finally expired. I told him, talk to Jesus. And he said, I have been. It's all good. But when I saw him Saturday, I didn't ask him <laughs> to pray. I said, can I pray for you? I should have said, <laughs> I should have led him in a prayer because I, I don't know if he had prayed to ask Jesus to be the Lord of his Savior or not. I hope he did. Amen? Christ invites inquiry. Inquiring minds. Amen? If you want to know the truth, Jesus said, you will, if you continue in my word, in chapter 8, you will know the truth. You are my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus actually wants people to inquire. Jesus wants people to search out and seek out the truth. He's not there, whoever's seeking their own glory, 
is seeking their own honor. They're seeking applause. Our motivation should be the love of God. It will inspire us to know God's mind and will and will inspire us to yield ourselves to it regardless of consequences. Sometimes things happen in our lives because we're serving God. I was kicked off one job, and I didn't know this until later, because the superintendent didn't want me on the job because <laughs> he knew I was a Christian. Then he got fired. <laughs> Praise God. Anyway, so the will of God. There's a, uh, the one who seeks the glory of God, the one of, of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Doctrine, instructions, the teaching. This word teaching literally means doctrine or instructions. Everybody should be familiar with 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness or training in order that the person, the man or woman of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Praise God. There's a painting I saw many years ago. The name of the painting is Stubborn. And it's a painting of a library. Books on this side, books on this side. There's a table sitting there. There's three men on this side and one man on this side. And there's books open all over the table. And the man who's sitting by himself is obviously rejecting what these other three guys are trying to show him. Let's not be stubborn concerning doctrine and instruction. Amen? Amen. Praise God. God in Christ invites inquiry. There is no falsehood in him. C.S. Lewis has uh, famously said that Jesus was either a liar or lunatic or the Lord. He's not a prophet, not just a prophet. He said he was God. If he's not God, then he's a liar or he's crazy. And that's, this is uh, what the people are saying here. When he, he says Jesus, they tell Jesus, you have a demon. He's, they're telling Jesus, you're a lunatic. Amen? This is literally what they're saying. Because Jesus says, has not Moses given you the law? What he's telling them here is that you're Moses' disciples, but you added a bunch of stuff. None of you, none of you keeps the law. Nobody is able to keep the law perfectly. If you have a chain and you break one of the links, the chain does not hold anything anymore. The Ten Commandments, if you break one, you've broken them all, basically. Amen? Amen. Now, they rudely, Jesus is teaching, and why do you seek to kill me? And the crowd answers, notice the exclamation point. They interrupt Jesus. <laughs> In the middle of his sermon, they, somebody, you have a demon, and, and they get all upset at Jesus. They interrupt him. Who's seeking to kill you? Maybe the crowd didn't know about the plot to kill him. Who's trying to kill you? Now, 
They understand, they rudely interrupt. They understand in verse 20, the crowd answered, you have a demon. Who's seeking to kill you? Praise God. The crowd knows that he's not a scholar. Who's trying to kill you? Says, hmm, maybe they didn't know. Maybe they did. But they interrupt him. They're kind of rude, wouldn't you say? Who's seeking to kill you? Jesus answered and said, I did one work and you all marvel at it. You guys were amazed. Moses gave you circumcision. Not that it's from Moses, but from the fathers. Where did our circumcision first come in? In Genesis chapter 17, God tells Abraham, circumcise everybody. In the book of Leviticus, it says if your servant who is not a Jewish person or not a Hebrew wants to take part in the Passover celebration with you, they have to be circumcised first because it's a sign of God's covenant. Amen? God's contract. Jesus said, I did one work, made one good. There was lots of people there, but he only healed that one person. I didn't even lay hands on them or touch them or anything. He just said, told them, pick up your bed and walk. And that was it. And he completely well. And then he, he doesn't know who Jesus is. They, they, they try to arrest the guy, and Jesus finds him later. And what does Jesus tell him? Go and sin no more. He made his whole body well. Think about this. The guy had been paralyzed for 38 years, whatever it was, he had that infirmity, couldn't walk, couldn't go to the bathroom by himself. And he made his whole body well. I read a testimony of a young man who has, had, was in India, and he was trying to uh, reach the Indian people for Christ. Having no success, he got sick and wound up in a hospital. There was a man, an Indian man there at the hospital who was so weak, he couldn't get up to go to the bathroom, make a mess of himself every night. The hospital staff was furious with him. Oh, this is terrible. One night, the Christian man gets up, and he helps the poor guy go to the bathroom. The next morning, everybody in the hospital heard about it, and they come to the man, and they began to inquire about this Jesus that motivated you to do something like that. The love of God being poured out. Praise God. This poor guy couldn't go to the bathroom by himself. Couldn't work. And now Jesus makes him whole. And they're going to kill Jesus for doing such a thing. What lunacy. Amen? Hallelujah. They're astonished. They're surprised. They're marveling. This word astonished, which is similar to marvel, means surprise. It means to stun or to shock. It comes from a Latin word which means to thunder out. Can you imagine? Anybody ever hear thunder? It's like, whoa, makes the windows rattle. You know, and this is what Jesus is, is impressing on these people. They're stunned. They're shocked. The windows have rattled. And it's like, whoa. They're amazed that Jesus is confronting everyone. He says, you circumcise a, a man, well, it's a little boy, on the Sabbath. If they're born on the Sabbath, the next week they have to, or whenever they're born, they have to bring them in eight days and they, they do circumcision. 
But listen to what circumcision does. It's an injury. But what did Jesus do? He made the man whole and cured him. No pain. No cutting. No bleeding. Hallelujah. God made him whole. Glory to God. So Jesus concludes all this. Verse 24. Do not judge by appearances. Remember, we talked about appearances earlier. How the religious guys appeared to be, you know, Whoa, those guys got it together. <laughs> if you only you knew. Judge with right judgment. Anybody ever go to witness to somebody and they say, who are you to judge me? Why are you judging me? Oh, don't judge not lest you be judged. <laughs> then IV, it says, translated, stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. The Amplified Bible says, be honest in your judgment and you do not decide on a glance by appearances, but judge fairly and righteousness or righteously. This word judge literally means to place a value on. I like to watch the Antiques Roadshow. People bring stuff in and it's like, really? That's worth that much? The other day I was watching, a guy brings in a, a silver dollar to uh, the, the place in Las Vegas, the pawn shop in Las Vegas. He goes, uh, if this is what I think it is, you know, I want to buy it from you. So the, the guy says, where did you get it? He says, oh, I won it in a, <clears throat> a poker match. <laughs> really? It's uh, a 1922 high-relief peace dollar. They didn't make, I think there's only 15 in existence. So Rick asks the guy, how much you want for it? Since uh, I'm hoping to get $20,000 for it. So, okay, I'm going to call in an expert. Matter of fact, this guy works for the company that grades these coins. Guy comes in, he looks at it, and says, yep, it's real. <clears throat> wow, cool. Yeah, and one sold at auction uh, last month for $100,000. <laughs> wow! So now how much do you want for it? Rick tells the guy, I'll give you 20000 for it. <laughs> he says, no, I think we'll renegotiate. <laughs> so he says, I'll offer you 65000 So how about 90000 No, no. So they settled on $80,000. The value that they placed on that coin. <laughs> they judged it by its appearance, but by its actual quality. Amen? So when we, we look at people... Remember that Jesus values everyone. Amen? Jesus values everyone so much that he willingly went to the cross and gave up his life and gave us his life. It's available to anyone and everyone. I like that saying or that phrase that I found that Christianity is the most inclusive religion there is in the world. Many years ago, somebody called the, the 22nd Street Church and asked the pastor, is your church inclusive and inviting? And if you, <laughs> if you don't understand the code word, it means can homosexuals come to your church? So the pastor says, well, yes, all kinds of sinners are welcome in our church. Click. <laughs> we are inclusive. Jesus died for everyone. Everyone's sins can be forgiven. Hallelujah. We place value on. Jesus has evaluated every single soul. Hallelujah. So we're to judge 
with righteous judgment, that God has placed that value on every soul that walks on the planet Earth, that they can be saved if they will put their trust in what Jesus did. Jesus is more than enough to make us good enough to become partakers or participants or members of the kingdom of heaven. Can you say amen? The blood of Jesus. You know, it's so interesting. I was looking at this this morning in the prayer room after prayer. Um, Gabriel the angel was sent by God, and this is Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The angel comes in and tells her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and considered what manner of greeting was this. Kind of like when the, the angel of the Lord sees Gideon. Oh, Gideon, you mighty man of God. And he goes, who, me? Praise <laughs> God. Listen to what it, the, the angel tells her. In verse 31 and 32, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. But Jesus was telling his brothers, no, 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 no. Uh, It's not my time yet. And you have no idea what it means to be great because they thought he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. The people were so disappointed after he fed the 5,000 with the loaves and the fishes and they went to make him king that that's not it, guys. But, but it says here he's going to give you the throne of your father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. They thought it was a worldly kingdom. They were disappointed. But thank God, God does not disappoint. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is within you. It's what rules. It's what motivates us in our daily lives. Praise God. 